Okay, well, hello, everybody. And obviously, we're coming to you midweek again. So this is another special episode here. And I am sitting here with... Owen, about um, two years ago, we did Meet the Players. And back then, we thought that we might do a Meet the DM. But we just never really got around to it. So that's what we're doing today. Yeah, we interviewed everybody else, but not little old me. And actually, at the time, it didn't make much sense, too, because, you know, we were trying to feature the players yeah so um i um most of the people in our party outside of this campaign d uh dm their own games and i have recently started up one with my friends so i just have a couple of questions that i've written down um just about dming and that kind of thing in general so this is also kind of a uh, DM, beginner dm help episode as well sounds good so far away. Yeah. So first, I'm um, just a uh, meet the DM kind of thing. So what? Tell us about yourself and your history with D and D. Okay. Well, well, let me take you back to the good old days, the uh, the dark and uh, mysterious days that we called the age of disco, a time of <laughs> questionable music and even more questionable fashion. Uh, yeah. But actually, let's take you back to 1979, and a group of sixth graders had just finished their summer uh or the school program and they were meeting in bicentennial park in elkhart indiana and one of them that was me got from his parents the dungeons and dragons coloring album which was like a big coloring book because they know i liked fantasy stuff and they knew i liked coloring so it was a big coloring book but it also had kind of a stripped down version of the D D rules that you ran with a couple of d6s and so there was, it was kind of more uh, choose your own adventure story with dice. Uh, you uh, chose different paths in the story, and but then you also rolled for what happened. And we had so much fun playing that, that one of my friends, Brian, uh, got, went and got the purple box set. Not the red box set, but the even older purple box basic set, the one with the... Uh, sorceress on the front that looked like she was holding up a candelabra of flaming green and a guy with a spear and uh we started playing dungeons and dragons and it just kind of went from there uh we this was you know like i said the end of sixth grade so we got into uh junior high school they didn't call it middle school back then it was junior high school and we formed a dungeons and dragons club at the in the school clubs and played all the way through there plus we played in the uh afternoons when we got home from school we had to draw, walk by uh brian's house so we would just stop there and we would game every day after school and so you imagine we got a lot of gaming in and then uh, weekends we'd come over to our place and uh we'd play uh dungeon dragons out by the pool and we'd play 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 then we all get too hot and we jump in the pool and swim 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 and get back out again and play 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 and it went like that um so we played all the way through advanced dungeon dragons because uh, that came out about the same time and then we uh, went into second edition. And then in college, they came out with third edition. And that's actually where I kind of drop out of the picture for a while. Um, I don't remember if I played a game of third edition or not. But, um, you know, because at that point in time, I was working on my senior thesis for uh, 
college. And uh, then, of course, graduated college, went out into the working world, moved to an entirely different town that was uh, nowhere near any of my friends. And, you know, back then we didn't have the Internet, so you couldn't just go looking for people. And the best you could do was go to the nearest game store, which I didn't even know where the nearest game store was, and find a group through, you know, a bulletin board in the game store or something like that. So I was out of the picture for about 3 and 3.5. And then, I don't know, what? 15 years ago now something like that yeah um, about then your older brother bryce uh he said hey dad you ever heard about this dungeons and dragons thing and i said yeah i used to play back in the day we could probably get the books and give it a go and actually i had a huge collection of all that stuff and it's still there but we lost it when the garage our garage caught fire and burned that was a huge loss because i had a whole bunch of like really collectible D stuff the uh, old Grenadier miniatures packs and the first edition deities and demigods and things like that. Uh, but we went out and, and got the fourth edition rules. And of course, we did what most D&D players did when they saw fourth edition. They went, what the heck is this? <laughs> but um, we started playing it and we, we still had a good time. Mm-hmm. It, it may not have been the, the Dungeons and Dragons that I grew up with, but it was, it was still um, good fun to be had by all. And uh, we played that until all of a sudden fifth edition came out. And they announced the playtest for, for D&D Next, as they called it back then. And so we started a playtest group with that. And then out of that grew the podcast. And here we are now. Great. Um, yeah, so moving on to more DM-specific questions. I always find it difficult to predict how much I need to prepare before each session so how i want to ask how much you actually prepare and what you do to prepare okay well when i first wrote up the world here i actually had written up everything for the first five levels because there was really kind of a linear path that the party had to follow to stay on the storyline so i knew but then i got up to fifth level and said to myself and they could go anywhere from here and so a lot, since fifth level, and we're, we're 10th level now, um, I've been basically kind of preparing just um, an arc at a time, and sometimes not even that, because I'll be like, well, they could go here, they could go here, so I'll prepare this sort of thing here and, and that thing. And that's actually one of the nice things about making your own homebrew world as opposed to using a prepackaged world. Um, there's a lot of pluses to using a prepackaged world, a published one by one of the various publishing houses, whether it be Wizards of the Coast or Cobalt Press or somebody. Um, and those ones, you know, the big plus is that this has been seen by many eyes. You know, when I make it up, I'm the only person that makes it up. And then things happen like you go in a graveyard and you fight a whole bunch of skeletons. And then there's also these puff balls of poisonous gas running around that are supposed to debilitate all of you while it's happening. And then they randomly go someplace and they never even hit you except once. Wasn't nearly as good as I thought. If uh, if we had had a chance to play test that, we probably could have realized, oh yeah, we should do something a little more directed with the uh, the poisonous gas clouds because we're certainly not, uh, not impeding the party the way they're supposed to. Um, and also, you only have my imagination. Now granted, when I created the world, I just drew up the map and then I asked you guys for your backstories. And from those backstories that fleshed out a lot of the places. Um, like I said, with uh, with your particular backstory there for Arlen, it provided a stop along the way in the Mare. And then some other things like Orlana showing up and things like that that have been interesting little 
bits of flesh on the bones that I created. Uh, and then there was even more grandiose ones like uh, Bryce, when he created Cotter or Alistair at the time, uh, told me about, you know, his noble family and all this stuff. And that inspired me to create the town of Porta Magnum, which I already knew was a tiered city. You know, it started out as a keep at the top of the hill and then slowly grew down the hill. But when he indicated that he was a noble, it said, oh, well, hey, yeah, the nobles will live at the top, the peasants at the bottom, the sewage will overflow by the time it gets there because they're peasants and that's how life is. Um, and because of that, yeah, it's very stratified because of the different uh, levels there. And that just kicked off the whole thing. And same thing with uh, Drew when he presented uh, the Dragonborn. Uh, and at the time I hadn't even thought about putting the Dragonborn in the thing. It's like, now I got to add the Dragonborn and oh, here's a neat thing they can do. They're the barbarians of the mountains. That's why no one knows about the Dragonborn because they're up there. And except there's one of them that got kicked out for some reason. And then we had to figure out the backstory of that. And, uh, so that kind of filled in some of the details, but with a pre-published adventure, it's seen many eyes. And so there's been many contributors doing many different things. So it's not just one person's imagination, but 20. And then, like I said, you get a chance to play test it and all those things. Um, now the, the downside is, is that it then tends to be, um, very locked in. Whereas if you have your own homebrew world, you can make it whatever you want. And, uh, you can do things that are a little different or very much the same, and uh, you can come up with all sorts of interesting ideas that maybe wouldn't uh, wouldn't come across with the, the standard settings. Um, so when it comes to preparation, um, like I said, when you guys are going in a real linear place, like when you guys enter the caves, it's like, okay, I wrote up all these encounters because I know no matter which way you go, you're going to end up running into the dire trolls. You're going to end up running into the Darrow. You're going to end up running into the fungal people. And, um, and actually what I didn't tell you is that I just had written those up as encounters. And then you were going to hit them no matter which way you went. Mm -hmm. So if you guys got down the lake and went to the right, you're going to go and hit the dire trolls. If you kept going and found another X out of there, you're going to hit the dire trolls. That was the kind of the fun way of doing it. Whereas if this had been a published adventure, you would have to put down, you know, here's the map, here's the dire trolls. Oh, we missed the dire trolls. Mm -hmm. But uh, you have the freedom to kind of do that. Although you could also write that up as a published adventure that way too, saying, you know, you know, gener here's the map, here's, you know, these encounters, you're going to run into these encounters, put them wherever the party goes, you know. Um, so like right now I'm kind of writing up stuff for the next event or the next day and the next day. Um, sometimes, like I said, I'll do it for the entire arc. Uh, like I did that with the, uh, land of the lost. When you guys went to the dinosaur Island, I had all the stuff mapped out there ahead of time. Cause you know, there's places you had to go. You guys ended up wandering all over the Island to get there, but you end up there all the same. But, um, for like, uh, like I said, for the, for the drow encounter here, I'm kind of going just each, each, uh, session at a time writing it up although i do have notes about what's coming up in the in the future yeah that's pretty great um my next question um how would you de-escalate a situation as like in my campaign we have a fairly chaotic character and uh they just want to go around and get into a bunch of trouble and fight everything that they can how would you try and steer them away from that if like they want if instead like they need to go into a town to do something and instead they just want to fight the guards instead of just talking to them have a magical unicorn appear and stand on them yeah <laughs> that worked well for me 
Actually, um, in that encounter, that is one of the things that can appear um, on the uh, wild magic table for mm-hmm. the sorcerers. But at the time, the chase scene had played out just about as far as I wanted it to go. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I was I was beginning to fatigue of it. So, um, knowing that that's on the wild magic table, and knowing that Olana is a wild magic sorcerer, I'm just like, okay, she's gonna. Um, you know, have a wild magic surge and the unicorn's going to appear and he's going to stand on top of Krivahal and then touch him with his horn and now everything will be rainbows and glitter. Um, so you can do it a couple of different ways. I know um, Matthew uh, from the uh, Critical Hit podcast said that when, you know, they were in his younger days, that whenever they were being a bunch of jerks, that the dungeon master there would have a naked uh, green gnome come running out and slap them in the face. And that was kind of their, um, you know, warning sign that, yeah, they were being a bunch of jerks and they needed to, to, to knock it off. Uh, people do have things where, like, you know, if you want to be punitive with your players, there's the bolt from the blue, where if someone's just being a jerk just being you know a complete idiot that all of a sudden this bolt comes down from the heavens and strikes them and they take a d10 of damage and that's like you know you're you're warning that you're you you've stretched it too far um but um if you just want to do it as a narrative sort of thing um, you just have to remember that there's consequences mm-hmm. so it's like yeah we're gonna go fight the guards but yeah now you can't get into the one city you need to get into because you guys just got done fighting with all the guards and now you're persona non grata and oh hey you have to go into that city. So maybe you guys ought to rethink what you're doing there. Yeah, that's actually a great segue into my next question. So um, let's say there is an important story element. I'm playing through a a Mm -hmm. pre-written adventure right now. An important part of their story is in that city, and they just got chased out by a whole bunch of guards. How do you get the players back into that situation? Or if they just pass a story element, like how do you get them into that situation? Well, um, there's always ways to let the party know that something important is happening there. So um, you can let it kind of matriculate naturally where they get to the st- down the storyline a bit and realize, oh, hey, yeah, we, we, needed, we needed to go visit the shopkeeper back in that last town because we just got done talking with somebody who says, oh yeah, the shopkeeper in the last town has this thing and oh, that's the MacGuffin that we need. Um, so you can let it go narratively or you could have, uh, there's one of the nice things about having like Orlana in the party or Nissian or one of the other uh, NPCs is that they can also act as the dungeon master's voice. And so Orlana can poke up like, but didn't we need that MacGuffin from the, the, the shopkeeper? And like, oh yeah. Um, these situations can actually lead to a whole lot more fun too, because now the party has to get into the town. And how are they going to do that? Are they going to sneak in? Are they going to disguise themselves and come in as different people? You know, it, it uh, it's up to the party to figure out how they're going to go and, and uh, figure this out. I mean, you just, you get to present them with the natural consequences of their action. Oh, hey, you guys were a bunch of jerks. And now you got to pay for your, uh, pay the piper for what you did. And you got to get into the town. How are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. And it could be that they, you know, they need to go on a quest to, uh, for the town to get in their good graces again or something like that. There's all sorts of possibilities. The other possibility is if you have just one player character that is causing chaos and messing everything up for you, you might just have to go and pull that one player aside and say, hey, you know, dude, 
I'm trying to tell a story here and I know you're having a lot of fun but it's kind of messing things up and you know he might just come around or it could be that they just want to do a big hack and slash campaign in which case you have to maybe go back and ask the whole group it's like you know okay this campaign has a whole bunch of role play and a whole lot of actions that need to be taken but um, maybe you guys just want to go and do a murder hobo campaign and see what they say yeah lots of good stuff there um when you're writing up a story or if you're um going through one of the pre-written stories um there i've personally found it difficult to find a good balance between role playing and combat um i've found that i'm thinking back on the sessions that i've been having i've found that in my past sessions that it's been only role playing and like no combat and um since it's a pre-written campaign they have certain spots where the adventure wants combat but i'm i'm feeling like i'm just i need to take a break from role playing for a couple like for maybe a session because i'm feel like i'm feeling very drained after a heavy session of role play because i'm not either prepared enough to do this three to six hour of only role playing versus being in a dungeon or being in a uh, combat situation. It's very like I can have, I it's less thinking. Yeah. That. Well, and one thing to remember is that even if it's pre-written, even if it's published by somebody else, that's not saying you can't make it yours. So, you know, it's like, say you're drained by having to do a whole lot of heavy RP. Well, this next session you want to take a break who's to say that the wolves or the skeletons or the vampires or the townsfolk or a bunch of criminals aren't going to attack you know you can have a bunch of ruffians come out of a bar all drunk and they decide to, get to have a, a donny brook with the party or like i said maybe the wolves come out of the woods or something like that and you can just take a break from from that that's that's one of the nice things about doing the homebrew campaign is i can go well we haven't done any combat in a while i ought to Let's have, let's have the wolves attack in the middle of the night, you know? Um, and, uh, but even if you're doing a pre-written campaign, that's not saying that something like that can, you can't write that in as your own thing right there and say, oh yeah, and there's a bunch of, there's a criminal underworld and they're sending somebody out and he thinks you guys are good po- pockets to pick and he's going to try to stab one of you in the back and take your money and now it, now it's on. Mm-hmm. So you can totally do that. Um, and I remember, yeah, when uh, we got to done with like the first fifth level there um i was looking at you guys had just finished the trap dungeon that the uh second phylactery or first phylactery was in the clouded oasis and i was looking down i'm like we've got like five straight weeks here of nothing but skills challenges and rp Mm -hmm. because you had to go and and meet the the brass dragon and uh, loquax and then you had to get away from her and then you had to go you know, do one of the several ways of learning about the uh, location of various items. And then you had to get all the way up to Port of Magnum. And then you got dumped into a whole plague situation. Mm-hmm. So there was just a whole lot of, a uh, whole lot of uh, RP there that was going to happen in, in skills challenges. Um, and, you know, sometimes that happens, but like I said, there's nothing saying you can't just break it up with all of a sudden, Oh, Hey, the wolves are coming out of the woods or here's a black bear attack or, you know, the kobolds spring a trap on you. Where did the kobolds come from? I don't know, but there we are. Um, yeah. 
And the last question that I have is, do you have any just general advice to new DMs? Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing is, is um, you want to kind of emphasize with the group that we're all in this together. And uh, don't stress the rules and really stress the fun. Um, obviously, the rules are the rules for a reason, as, as we found out in a bunch of places. I mean, the reason the rules have been written up the way they are is that otherwise things tend to spin out of control and, you know, the party members get too, uh, too OP and, and just destroy the whole thing. And uh, that was a problem that they had, especially in like uh, 3rd edition and 3.5 is you know what would party would do especially if they were experienced players is they would go and go in that first adventure and then they would pool all their money go into town buy a whole bunch of magic items load up one of the players with the magic items so they were now invincible at at their level and then they would just using that player just breeze through all the rest of the stuff until they all were loaded up with stuff and and um so the, they've really written um fifth edition uh to make it more balanced out. Um, that's one of the reasons that, you know, we've, as we've tripped across, this is why you can't do this. This is why you can't do this. This is why you have only so many attuned items. This is why you uh, can't take this many actions, you know, that otherwise it tends to be a cakewalk for the players. And so they, the rules are there to balance things out. But that being said, the fun is more important. So if someone says, hey, I want to do this, and it sounds really awesome, you know, use the yes and or the yes but it's like yes but you have to roll um you know a hard dc in order to make that happen um probably a really good example of that is when we were um doing the uh lost minds of fandelver mm-hmm. when we were um doing the you know right after the play test started um we were in the subterranean chamber and someone went across the bridge that collapses and normally, I mean, the idea of the bridge collapse is that it collapses and you fall into the cavern and someone's takes several D10 of damage from the fall. And there's an Othic down there that would like to set, to nibble on you. Mm-hmm. And one of the players at the table said, hey, can I catch him before he falls? And so once again, like I said, the, the best thing to do is the yes and. Okay, yes, or yes, but. But you're going to have to roll a acrobatics check to see if you can grab him as he goes by. And they rolled a high acrobatics check. It's like, great, you got him. But here's the problem. That's a dwarf in metal armor, and you're a halfling. Roll me strength, you know, or athletics. And he rolled low. It's like, okay, now the the dwarf is dragging you down with him. And then the next player says, can I grab the halfling as he's falling over? It's like, roll me an acrobatics. And then he grabbed him. It's like, roll me athletics to see if you can hold on to these guys. And he did. Mm-hmm. And so was that really kind of the way the rules work? Kind of, yeah, more or less. A lot of it, we're making it up as we go. But at the same time, it was really, really cool and hilarious. Yeah, it was really hilarious because then we had, you know, the dwarf and the uh, halfling hanging on to the dwarf and the human hanging on to the halfling was hanging on to the dwarf and they're all dangling over the edge. It was really hilarious. And then Matt got mind controlled and uh, used a third level inflict wounds on Bryce. Yeah, that was a good That fun was very thing. fun. Um, and, uh, but anyways, yeah, so don't stress the rules too much. I mean, it's not like you can really totally screw things up and, and make things, I mean, yeah, maybe you make a, a com, uh, combat a cakewalk um, or the other way around. Uh, but once again, and as a dungeon master, you can fudge that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going along and the party is just wailing on the big bad boss that's supposed to be menacing them. And maybe they just, everybody rolls a nat 20 all in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not saying you can't go, oh, and now there's a 
another 50 hit points on this thing or it uh you know when it rolls uh its next damage it, it rolls an extra d8 or it rolls max damage on that and that brings the combat back into balance uh so you can you can totally do that if you if you want to just to make the story better in fact there was a really great one um when we were doing Fandelver and, and you guys had gotten into or headed to where the green dragon lives mm-hmm. and one of the encounters you go across there was a pair of ogres or actually, I guess it was just a single ogre cause you guys weren't high enough level and the rogue in the group went and plugged the ogre right away and then ran around and hid behind the wizard cause that's going to work. <laughs> and so of course the ogre goes charging forward, trying to get the rogue, but the wizard's in the way levels the wizard. Mm-hmm. So the rogue, the next round, plugs him with the hand crossbow, runs around behind the cleric, and you know this time runs up, hits the cleric, doesn't drop him, but hits him hard. Um, anyways, the subsequent rounds, like the fighter or whatever, maybe it might have been the cleric, actually did enough damage to be lethal to the ogre. However, the rogue was two spots behind him. Mm-hmm. And so... Even though the uh, ogre was at zero hit points, we went on to the next person, and then we went on to the rogue, and the rogue rolled, hit, and got him with the crossbow, and then at that point in time, said, and the ogre falls over, because that was so much better of a storyline to have the rogue, who had been enraging this thing all along and then hiding behind the rest of the party, actually take the ogre out. So you can do all sorts of little things where you can bend the rules just a little bit, just to make the story better. Um, and then don't worry so much about the knowing all the rules, because like I said, if, if you are, you know, your tables that of the mindset that everybody's in it together, it's like, you don't have to be an expert on being a fighter because Jim's an expert on being a fighter because he plays a fighter or has played a fighter a lot. And, and, uh, you know, Jesse is an expert on being a mage and Sarah's an expert on being a cleric. So you don't really have to know. Cause if you come up with something that's wrong, they're going to, Oh wait, I think it's this. And you're like, let's look it up. Oh, turns out you're right. So mm-hmm. uh, if everybody's in it together at the table, that it helps out a lot. But yeah, prepare a bunch, you know, know, know your, know your uh, adventure backwards and forwards. Um, but like I said, don't feel like you have to be handcuffed by the rules. Be, be handcuffed by the fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you very much. You bet. Let me know if you have any other questions. We'll be here. And for those of you out there in the audience, if you have any advice for Owen, uh, please let us know. Um, you can always email us at relic of the past podcast at gmail.com or get in touch with us either at relic of the past on Twitter or relic of the past podcast on Facebook. And thank you all for playing in those worlds that live in all of our heads.